You are listening to the Tom Eliff Podcast. Tom Eliff pastored for 42 years and was also the president of the International Mission Board and the Southern Baptist Convention. He is the founder of Living Word Publications. Now, here is Tom Eliff. I wonder how many people there are here this evening who would be honest enough to admit that you know the Lord is, is speaking to you about a certain issue, and as of yet, that is as of tonight anyway, you haven't really come to terms with God on that. You haven't really agreed wholeheartedly and complied. Now, l- let me just mention some things. Perhaps it might be uh, that the Lord's speaking to you about your devotional life. And... Uh, You know what it is that the Lord's saying. You know what you ought to be doing. God's Holy Spirit's speaking to you about that. But for some reason, you just haven't haven't got it right in line with what you know the Lord is asking. It may have to do something with your family. Maybe the Lord is saying something to you as a a father or as a a mother, as a husband or wife. It may be that uh, the Lord is saying something to you as a young man or young lady and saying, you know, Uh, your family life would be so different if you would approach it this way or if you would do this or if you'd take the time in this fashion. And yet you have not really done that. It's still, you know it's God, you know the Lord wants you to do that, but you haven't done it. Maybe it has to do with the relationship with someone. Maybe uh, you know there's someone that you ought to, well, you ought to be reconciled to that person. Or there's someone there that, that you ought to go and seek forgiveness of or or maybe there's an issue and you need to make restitution. There's something in a relationship that is not solved and you know without question God is speaking to your heart about that and you know exactly what, what God would have you to do about it, but you just haven't quite gotten around to doing that. It might be something as, um, as significant as becoming a part of a church. God's been speaking to your heart about that. And you know that you've been sort of laying back. You're almost afraid to join because you lose your visitor's parking lot and you lose your free Cokes at Starla. Oh, you didn't know that. I didn't mean to tell you that. You lose, uh, uh, you know, and you're afraid. Well, you know, if I just join the church, next thing you know, they're going to be expecting me to get involved. They're going to be expecting me to serve. And it's just easier, isn't it, just to come and just sort of enjoy what you want to enjoy. And not, you know, it's like going to a restaurant and not having to pay the bill. You just sort of enjoy what you want to enjoy, but not having to really get in there and, and get involved with your life. And you know what God's saying to your heart about it, but you just haven't done it yet. You know what God's saying. It may be something deep. It may be something deep within you like a, like a habit. God's been speaking to you lately about that. He's been saying, you know, that's got to stop. Or maybe say, you know, there's a, there are good habits too, and this needs to start. Maybe it has to do with your thought life. Maybe it has to do with some places that you go, some things you do, some things you watch, some things you read, something you say. And God's been talking to you lately about that. In fact, not just lately, maybe for a long time. God's been dealing with you about that. He's speaking to your heart about that. You know what God's will is concerning that, but... As of yet, you've just not, you know, really fully come around. Oh, and it may have to do with spending your forever in heaven. Maybe you're here tonight and you say, you know, the truth of the matter is, I don't know. If I died, I hope I'd go to heaven. I want to go to heaven. I'd sure like to go to heaven. It sure beats the alternative. And I, but, but I really haven't crossed over. I really, I know that it's a matter of just 
repenting of my sin and trusting Christ. But I just, there's something about it. For some reason, I just haven't made that commitment. Maybe it's because I'm afraid I'm going to have to give up some things. Maybe it's afraid I'm afraid I'm not good enough. Maybe I'm just, un, maybe I'm just have a spirit of fear about it. But I, I really haven't made that decision. You know, I know what God wants. I know that he would love to give me his wonderful gift of eternal life. He'd like to forgive me of all of his sins. I know the Bible says whosoever will may come. But I just haven't come. I just haven't made that decision. So Christian or non-Christian, church member or non-church member, whether it's a matter of something in your thoughts, something in your actions, something in your relationship to other people, something in your relationship to God, how many people this evening would be honest enough, and the choir wants you to help me, orchestra, I want you to help me, all of you, I want you to help me now. How many of you would be honest enough and bold enough to say, there is in my life some issue that is not really settled yet. I have a clear understanding of the will of God about it, but I just haven't gotten around to settling it yet. How many of you, because you see, God's going to do that as we grow in our faith. How many of you, by the uplifted hand, would say, that describes me? Raise your hand, way up high, way up high, all across this congregation. I'm, you see, I can raise my hand because the Lord's speaking to me about things in my life. He does every day. So raise your hand, way up high. I want to see him. Way up high, all the way at the back, you folks in the easy chairs back there. Way up high, all right, on the bleachers, in the choir. I want to see how many. That's almost all of us. That's almost all of us. All right. Now, take that other hand. Got your Bible in it. Take the hand that you raised, put it on your Bible, open it up to Psalm 91, let's stand together. And for just a few moments, I want to make an appeal to you. Listen to what the psalmist says. Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is his also. The sea is his. He made it. His hands form the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Now listen to these words. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart, as in the provocation and as in the day of temptation in the wilderness. In a few moments, I'm going to tell you about when that happened. Harden not your heart when your fathers tempted me and proved me and saw my work. Forty years long, I was grieved with that generation. I said, this is a people that do err in their heart. They have not known my way. Unto whom I swore in my wrath, they would not enter into my rest. Because of their hard-heartedness, I was never going to give them that wonderful rest which was available to them. Father, I pray in these next few moments your Holy Spirit would cause every one of us to reflect upon the admonition of the Scripture. Today, if you will hear my voice, the Lord says, harden not your heart. And Lord, we realize that to be hard-hearted means to know what we ought to do and yet not to agree with you simply and do it. And so, Father, teach us the importance of that, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Be seated. You may want to keep your Bible open to that passage of Scripture. Today, if you will hear my voice, the Lord says, harden not your heart, as in the day of temptation, as in the day of provocation in the wilderness. Now, what does the Lord mean about this day of temptation or this day of provocation in the wilderness? Well, let me just give you a little history lesson. 
and this will help you to put all this passage of Scripture into its proper context so that you can understand it. There came a time as God delivered the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, brought them out. You remember that wonderful miracle celebrated by the Passover? came out, crossed through the Red Sea as on dry land, then he closed it back up over the Egyptian army. As they came just to the border of what was called the Promised Land, it was the land of Canaan, a land that flowed with milk and honey. And when they got right to the border, God spoke to Moses and said, Moses, now listen, I want you to take 12 men, one man out of each of the 12 tribes of Israel, I want you to send them into Canaan. I want you to see the land. Now, get the tense of this. He said, I want you to see the land I have already given you. I want you to see the land that I've given you. Just go and look at it. See what you got. And so these 12 spies went to the land. And truly, I mean, it was the land that flowed with milk and honey. They began to gather up uh, evidence. As a matter of fact, they brought Exhibit A. Here were these grapes. I mean, they could, it took two men to carry them on a pole. They came back. They were in there for 40 days. They came back, and, and they brought their report, but it was a divided report. There were a couple of guys, one by the name of Joshua, one by the name of Caleb, who said, listen, it's a land that flows with milk and honey. It's a wonderful land. I'm so excited. We're so excited that God's given us that land. There's some big people in that land. They're called the Anakim. Goliath, by the way, was a descendant of Anak. These giant people. And we look like grasshoppers in their eyes, but that's no big deal to God because God is bigger than they are. And that's the big issue. God says, go in, get it. If that God says it, well, we can do that. But the other ten, they didn't have the same report. Oh, they said, yeah, the land flows with milk and honey. Everything Joshua and Caleb said about the land is right. But they didn't really explain to you about those giants. Man, those are big guys. I mean, they're huge guys. They're bigger than any NBA basketball player, all of them together. Those are giant men. And we do look like, wow, they're going to kill us if we go over there. They'll eat us like bread, they said. And when they said that, all these people in Israel got angry. Now, it wasn't just a few all. You see, in Israel at that time, there were 1.8 million, almost 2 million men of fighting strength. So there were millions of people out there, 2, 3 million people out there in the wilderness. And they began to argue among themselves. Man, I mean, they couldn't get this thing straight. And they began to fuss and fume, and they got mad at Moses, and they said, you just brought us out here to get us killed. We're not going to go in there. That's the most frightening thought we could have. We're just out here in this, all among all these sand dunes. We're going to get killed. And God got in on the act. He got angry with them. He said, look, I told you I'd already given you the land. I want you to go in and possess it, but these people will not do that. So these people, this whole generation is going to wander for 40 years in the wilderness. One year for every day the spies were in there until every one of them dies. You ever figure out how many hundred funerals have to occur in 40 years for 1.8 million people alone to die? I mean, Moses was a busy man preaching funerals. I mean, there, people were dying all the time. But he said, they're going to wander for 40 years in the wilderness till they all die, and then I'm going to take in Joshua and Caleb because they're different, and all the people who will believe. Well... <clears throat> The children of Israel got to thinking about that through the night and it occurred to them that, that maybe they'd done wrong. And so they got up the next morning and they said to Moses, you know what? After reflecting on that, here's God, all those plagues in Egypt, Red Sea, water out of the rock, I mean, food, uh, manna, quail, we got everything we need. God is, we decided we want to go in. Moses said, too late. God gave you a window of opportunity, a doorway to walk through. You didn't take it. You can't do it now. 
Oh, they said, God's not that way. And so the soldiers all strapped on their swords and they went off and I want to tell you something, they got slaughtered. And they came back and they said, you're right, we're stuck. We had those few hours to obey God and now the opportunity is passed. Now listen, everywhere I go I meet people who are keenly aware God is speaking to them about a certain issue in their life. You know what's sad? They think they got their whole lifetime to decide to do it. They think they got God in a box out here someplace and when they get good and ready, you know, when it's convenient for them, they're going to get around to changing that habit or changing that marriage relationship or being reconciled to somebody or, or saying I'm sorry or telling somebody they love them. They're going to get around to reading the Bible and joining the church and they're going to get around to trusting Jesus. Hey, I want to tell you something. You don't have God in your box. You see, you don't come to God when you're good and ready. You come only when and if God is good and ready. The children of Israel learn that. You don't have God on your calendar. You know, you don't fit God into your schedule. God speaks to your heart. God says, this is what I want. And as my mother used to say, obedience is either immediate or it is not obedience at all. That's why it's so important for you to understand that to even sit here tonight, for me or for you to sit here tonight and to know that there is an issue in our lives, God has clearly revealed his will about that issue, but we're still sort of fretting, we're still sort of arguing with him. Do you know what the Bible says we are? The Bible says when we do that, we are hardening our heart toward God. That's what the Bible says. Now, I want to make three statements about that this evening in the next very few minutes. And then we'll come to a time of invitation. Statement number one. If you know that in your heart, God's speaking, there's something that needs to change, you know what it is. God's clear about it. And you've not done it. You need to understand that there is a master who is calling you. That's the first thing I want to say. There is a master who is calling you you. Today, if you will hear his voice, whose voice? God's voice. Now, the fact that it's God's voice ought to help you understand the profound significance of that call. It's not just anybody asking you to do something. This is not somebody, this is not Heloise saying, you know, I've got a good idea. Here's how to clean your windows. This is the creator of the universe. As a matter of fact, I read those first few verses so that you would see that in those earlier verses, he is, in verse 1, our Savior. In verse 3, our Sovereign. In verse 4, our Sustainer. In verses 5 and 6, our Source. In verse 7, our Shepherd. He is the one who concerns himself with the whole of the universe and with you in particular. He is the one who has your best interest at heart. This is God, the Creator and Sustainer of the universe, speaking to you, not just anybody. You know, I, I really appreciate Olive North, whatever you think of his politics, I appreciate him when in those hearings he said, somebody said, well, why did you do what the president said? He said, because the president is the commander-in-chief. And he said, if he told me to go stand on my head in the corner, he said, I'd go stand on my head in the corner, I'd stay there till he released me, and I would thank him for that privilege because he is my commander-in-chief. Now, God is more important than any earthly president. Nations come and go. Presidents rise and fall. This is the God of all the universe, the profound significance of the call. Look at the personal subject of the call. It's you. Today, if you will hear his voice, can you imagine this? That the God of the universe cares enough about you that you already in your heart have gotten a signal from him about something that you can change to make your life better. Isn't that amazing? 
The God of all the universe has come down to you and already telling you something that if you'd change, your life would be better. That is absolutely amazing. You are the subject. Someone, I used to, I still do, go around to colleges and speak to uh, students. A lot of times they'll say, I think I'm being called by God into some kind of ministry. How do I know that I'm being called? Well, inherent in a call is that you know. And my mother used to stand on the front porch and say, Tommy, come in, wash your hands, it's time for supper. There are a lot of things I knew. I knew that was my mama. I knew I was the Tommy she was talking to. I knew exactly what she wanted me to do. It was just down to yes or no. You are the personal subject of the call. And by the way, notice the particular sound of this call. Today, if you will hear his voice, that, um, that word in the original language of the scripture even sounds like the word call. It's, it says call. And it refers to a trumpet-like sound, a clear sound. It's not, today if you hear God going, huh? See, God's not trying to get you to figure out what his will is. You know already what it is God is speaking to your heart about. You know what needs to be done. Trumpet-like, clarion-like, this call. There is a master who's calling you tonight. Here's the second thing that I want to say to you tonight. And that is that there is a mindset which is contrary, isn't there? Inside us, you see this old sin nature of ours. I tell you, it's something else. It's just contrary to everything of God, isn't it? There's just something inside us that rebels against God. I mean, people who, who don't even believe in God know their sin because they know that there's something inside man that rebels against any kind of thing. You know, you say, this is what you ought to do. I don't know who to rebel about it rebel against that. That's a sin nature. As a matter of fact, the Bible says God gave us the law so we would see our sin. It's like bars on a cage. We just snarl and growl and pace around and can't wait to break out, you see. There is a mindset within us which is contrary. Why does the psalmist go to so much trouble to tell us not to be hard-hearted? As a matter of fact, in the New Testament, the entire third chapter of the book of Hebrews is given over to this very subject and this very instance in the life of Israel. Why in the New Testament so much information about hardening your heart? All right, let me give you three reasons why it's a big deal to God when we harden our heart, all right? Number one, hardening our heart requires a conscious effort. Every once in a while I meet somebody who's real hard-hearted and they blame somebody. No, nobody's to blame but you. Today, if you hear his voice, you harden not your heart. Somebody come and say, well, I'm the way I am because when I was growing up, I came from a dysfunctional family. I think, you know, by the standards of some people, every family's dysfunctional. I mean, if they're not, you are. I mean, yeah, I, it was just so terrible and it's so awful and I didn't get the breaks and I wasn't treated this way and, and I'm the way I am because I've been treated bad by other people. i got news for you. There have been other people in this world who've been treated worse than you and they came through. You see, you chose, you, you can't choose your circumstances, but you can choose how you respond to your circumstances. And hardening your heart requires a conscious effort. It's something you do to yourself. I choose not to get in line with God's plan for my life. All right, so it, requ it requires a conscious effort. Secondly, it's a bad deal because it registers, now this is going to sound like big work, it registers a cumulative effect. What does that mean? It, it, it mounts up. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. The word that is used here for harden is a word that is used to 
to describe the remarkable capacity that your skin has to resist irritation by developing successive layers of skin. You call that a callus. First of all, it gets real sensitive, then you get a blister, then it heals over, then you get, if it keeps being irritated, then you begin to develop a callus right there. Now, the pressure that's being put on that skin may still be the same, but what happens? You don't feel it like you used to. See, when you harden your heart, what you're doing is making it deliberately, making it more difficult for you to hear God. That's why in invitation time I say, if you've got the slightest notion, God wants you to make a decision, make it, because tomorrow you may not even have a slight notion. As one man said, every day that you say no leaves one more day to repent of, one less day to repent in. It registers a cumulative effect. And you see, there's some people who say, well, look, I, I'm going to, look, here's what they say. They say, I can remember one time when God gave me this wonderful feeling and I did something wonderful and I felt so spiritual. And when I get ready, I'm going to get all, all my dominoes lined up. Everything's going to be in order. And I'm going to go to God. I'm going to spend a day or two and I'm going to get my Bible and I'm going to get on my knees and I may pray and I may fast. And I'm going to get that old feeling back again. Wrong. If you got the slightest idea, God wants you to say yes to him in some area, you better respond right now because hardening your heart is not only something you do by conscious effort, it, re it, re it results and it has a cumulative effect. And finally, it's a tough deal because you see, hardening your heart results in a common expression. What is the common expression? No. In other words, it gets easier and easier to say no. You see, that's why parents are not doing their children a favor when they shout at their kids because kids pretty soon learn what decibel you have to be speaking in order for them to take you seriously. Come to supper. Come to supper. Come to supper. You say, my kids have lost their hearing. No, try this. Say, if you don't come to your supper, we're not going to feed you for the next three years. What? Did you call us for supper? We're on our way. See, it's not a hearing problem. It's a taking you seriously problem. All right, now listen. When you harden your heart, it's not that God quits speaking. What you're doing, you're just not taking God seriously anymore. And it just gets easier and easier to say no. If I say no today, it's easier for me to say no tomorrow. And it'd be real easy for me to say no the next day. And the day after that, saying no is no big deal. In fact, get this, it becomes easier to say no than to say yes. In fact, I know people who would rather climb a tree and lie to God than stand on the ground and tell the truth. It just gets easier to say no to God. Now, that is why hardening your heart is so tough. So we said there's a master who's calling. There's a mindset which is contrary. All right, let me make one final statement. There is a moment which is critical. You say, well, Brother Tom, when is that moment? It happens to be right here on this pavilion underneath these stars tonight. That's right. It happens to be on this pavilion right here out of these stars tonight. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Now, I want you to think about that for just a few moments. Why does he go to such lengths to communicate that truth to us? All right, first of all, tonight, right here, this is what I want to call the obvious time for you to respond. Today, that's what the whole verse is about. 
today, if you hear his voice, it's obvious to respond right now. There was a little boy who was uh, saved at a crusade like this and baptized. His grandfather was there with him. His grandfather had never been saved. And uh, he sort of watched with amusement. A lot of silence, some pondering on his heart. And they were driving home. This little boy was just so excited. He said, Granddaddy, I feel so wonderful. It's so great to know that my sins are forgiven. I'm going to go to heaven when I die. Granddaddy, have you made that decision? Have you done that? Boy, when he said that, I mean, his, his granddaddy got really serious, and he looked off, you know, into space like granddaddies can do, and he said, well, son, there was a, there was a time. There was a, there was a time. What he didn't say to his son was, there was a time when I knew I should, but I didn't, and I never have since. You think you will? The chances of you putting it off, have you, have you thought about how stupid that is? you think God's going to reward you resisting him now by giving you greater faith tomorrow? No. Hey, listen, that doesn't even make sense. Do you think God owes you another chance when there are millions of people who've never heard the gospel even once? Does he owe you 200, 300, 3,000 more songs and sermons? Does he owe you? No. I mean, God would be totally justified if you never, ever heard anything again about the gospel. You see, this is just the obvious time to respond. By the way, this is the opportune time to respond. That word in, in, the, in the Hebrew language for today, yom, is a word which means in the warm hours, when it's hot. What's he say? When it's, when it's hot on you. When the issue is, is warm, not cold. When, you, when you're saying, yeah, I know, as opposed to, well, I guess I'm just one of those hypocrites. I probably ought to do that. But you know I can't do that because those Christians up there. And pretty soon, instead of feeling it's hot upon you and you ought to do it, you've built up this big justification for not getting right with God, getting right with your brothers and sisters, and getting right with the church, and getting your life right. You've got all the reasons in the world. It's for other people. It's not for you. It's their game, not your game. In the warm hours, you see, this is the opportune time for you to respond. Oh, by the way, not only is it the obvious and opportune time, this is the only time you can respond. Today, you can't respond yesterday. You missed it. You can't respond tomorrow. Why, you have no idea whether you're even going to be alive tomorrow. You think you are. The odds may be pretty good, but you don't know. Most people who die today around the world do not know they're going to die today. That's right. Most everybody who's going to die today does not know today is the day they're going to die. God's known it all along. They thought they had plenty of time. You see, it's just the only time you can respond. Well, let me tell you about something that happened to a man. Not just a made-up story, true. The fellow who uh, came to know Christ, went to college, God spoke to his heart about becoming a preacher. And uh, he responded. He said yes. And I mean, it just seemed like God really had his hand on him. He just did so well and went to seminary and all the professors would stand around and say, hey, he's got it. You know, whatever it is, he had it. You know, he's got it. He's really going to go places. And sure enough, he did. I mean, he just... He got out of seminary. He was pastoring. I mean, everybody was talking about what a wonderful preacher this was. He was invited to preach at all the, the big conferences and everything. And, uh, you know, I mean, he was really something, really something. And someplace up there, about the middle of his life, I don't know whether it's a midlife crisis, you know. I don't know whether, you know, he opened up his neck, got him a big necklace and, you know, uh, whatever. I, I don't know what. He, j he just quit. That's right. He just quit. I, you know, he didn't, he didn't run off on his wife and he didn't, you know, go out and blow it on some new hobby. He just, 
He just quit. Didn't do any of those things that you sort of associate. He, maybe, I don't know, maybe he's burnt out. I don't know what the, but he just quit. He just stood up for his church and he said, I want to turn in my resignation. I'm, I'm not going to be pastoring this church anymore. I'm just, uh, it's not that I don't love God. It's not that I don't think I'm saved. He said, I just, I'm just not going to be pastoring anymore. So he just quit. And uh, there's a guy in the church who was very wealthy, had a big business, and he went to the pastor afterwards and said, you, you know, you're going to need to make a living and would you join my company? And the guy said, that sounds pretty interesting. So he joined his corporation. And, of course, you know, he had this affable, gregarious spirit, you know, that, that, that had helped him along so much. And, and he began to climb the ladder there in that corporation. Pretty soon he found himself way up there, you know, at the top. In fact, he found himself way up at the top, just beneath the president. I mean, he was a big shot in this corporation in a matter of just a few years. Well, one day he's out in his luxury car, you know, and he's, he, he's got beside him this kid who's just joined the company, you know, and he just, he doesn't know this kid's just a fire-breathing Christian, you know, <laughs> and so he's driving around, and so this, this, this kid decides he's going to witness to the vice president of the company. He said, sir, you know, if you come to the point where you know if you die, you'll spend your forever in heaven with God. He said, <laughs> he said, I know what you're doing. He said, I even know that plan. I learned that plan. I taught that plan. I know what that's all about. Son, let me tell you the story of my life. And he went there and tell him how he got saved and went to church, college and then went to these churches and everything. Well, you know, I mean, the boy said there was his mouth hanging up, so I never would have known this guy had done that. So they drove on for a while, and the old fellow thought, that'll, that'll silence him. Of course, kids, you know, they out of the mouth of babes. He said, uh, Sir, he said, can I ask you another question? He said, you ever miss it? Miss doing what you know God called you to do? And that guy got that, you know, that far off look again, like so many people have these days. He said, well, let me answer it in this way. He said, back in days gone by, when a king would take his army out to battle, you know, he'd get them all assembled. And they'd put up these tents, and they'd go to bed for the night because they fought the battles in the daytime in those days. He said, on the morning of the day of battle, those soldiers, man, they could hardly wait to get up, and they awakened to the sound of trumpets in the morning. Just that clarion call, this is it, this is the day. So excited, so eager to go to battle. He said, I'll, I'll tell you the truth. He said, since I said no, to that one thing that God wanted me to do. Since that day, I've never heard the sound of trumpets in the morning. I look out here tonight. I look back here at this choir tonight. If I could just sit down with you personally and just ask you, has it been a long time since you've heard the sound of trumpets in your heart? I'm not talking about physically, but God calling and saying yes. You're a child of mine. You're obedient. You're ready for battle. This is the day, and you awaken to the sound of trumpets in the morning. A lot of people out here, something's dying in your relationship. And you're just trying to move it on, aren't you? You're trying to just grit your teeth and just go on and just try to be faithful. What is it that God has spoken to your heart? You know what I want to do tonight? I want to pray with every person who will say, I raised my hand a while ago. I know what it is. God is speaking to my heart. I have, I, when I raised my hand, I was saying, as I sit here on this pavilion, I really, hadn't, I really hadn't come to grips with that. But tonight, as God's Holy Spirit is working in your life, 
you will want to say, yes. What it is that God is speaking to me, I agree. Yes, I will. By the grace of God, I say yes. I agree with him. And beginning now, we'll take steps fall in line with his will for my life. Maybe it's a matter of your devotional life. Maybe it's a matter of some discipline in your life. Maybe it's direction in your life. Maybe call. You know, somebody, maybe here tonight, I believe, God's calling you to enter the ministry somehow, some way. He's calling you. You haven't got it all figured out. Man, you think, but I'm training for this, or I'm doing that, or my plans were this, and God just swept in. You just know how you know. God's just calling you tonight. And you say, I'm not going to argue with that any longer. God's going to, have to, he's going to have to figure it all out. That's not my job. Faithfully is he who called you who also will do it. He will perfect that which concerns you, the Scripture says. Maybe that. Maybe a matter of joining church. Maybe a matter tonight of saying, you know, I've waited a long time. Tonight I want to trust Jesus. But tonight you want to say yes to him. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, would you stand quietly to your feet all over this pavilion? Quietly. I want you to listen carefully. Listen very carefully. Don't... Disturb or disrupt anybody. You don't have to say anything to anyone. How many of you tonight? You raised your hand a few moments ago and you said, you said, you know, I know what it is. May have been more than one thing. Maybe a habit. Maybe a good habit to start, a bad habit to break. Maybe a ministry. Maybe a relationship. Maybe something in your thoughts or in your heart may require a phone call or a personal conversation, new direction. You may have to go and make restitution. You may have to go to somebody and say, you know that ministry that I wouldn't accept in the church, I, I'll do it. You may have to say, I want to join the church or I want to trust Christ as my Savior tonight. Open my heart to Him. How many of you who raised your hands a few moments ago and said, by the uplifted hand, I know there's something in my life God's speaking in my heart about it. I haven't come to grips with it yet. I haven't said yes to him yet. Now listen to the scripture. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart, as in the day of provocation, as in the day of temptation in the wilderness, which caused God for 40 years to be wearied with that generation and to say to them, you will never get all that you could have had. You will die without it. How many of you tonight by the uplifted hand would just simply say, I know what it is. I raised my hand a while ago and by the grace of God, I intend today, not to harden my heart, but to respond to God. Would you raise your hand right quick? Way up, way up high. I intend today by the grace of God to respond to what God is saying to me. Amen. I'm going to ask everyone who raised your hand to come to this altar right now. The instrumentalist is going to play. Everyone, you raised your hand, you come to this altar. We're going to pray together right here at this altar. Everyone, you raised your hand. I know what it is God is speaking to me. I know what God is saying to me. And I'm coming to this altar to respond to God, to open my heart to Him. I'm not going to wait any longer. No longer. I'm saying yes to God. Jesus is my King. He's my Savior. There's no sense in arguing with Him. Not any sense in arguing with Him. Today, I've heard his voice, not the voice of that preacher, but God's Holy Spirit speaking to my heart. And I know what it is God is saying to me. And I'm here at this altar to say yes. Yes, I will. 
Yes, I will. We'll wait just a few moments for others to come. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed all over the pavilion. Anyone else could say tonight, I'd hate to let this moment pass without knowing I'd said yes to Christ and all that he's spoken to my heart. Anyone else? You may need to turn to a friend and say, look, one of the things God's speaking to my heart is to encourage you to come to Jesus tonight or to encourage us to join the church tonight. And we want to come. God bless you. Others are coming. You may need to turn to your mate or to your friend or somebody there beside you and say, I know what it is God's saying to me tonight. I'm responding. Amen. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. We're going to pray right here. If you're going to come, if you're going to say yes to God, right now is the time to come before we pray. Anybody else? Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. Wouldn't it be tragic to just stand there tonight and to know what the scripture says about what happens when people know what they ought to do and don't do it. But the scripture says in James 4, 17, if a man knows what is right and does it not, to him it is sin. Hard-heartedness. Just counting on the fact one day, later on, I'll get it all together. Anyone else, quickly, before we pray, that's it. God bless you. Just come on. Today, if you'll hear his voice, a few more are coming. Just come on right now. God bless you. That's it. I know what God's saying to me. The Spirit of the Lord is dealing with my heart. Anyone else? Join this group. Who'll be able to say, I mean, when we leave this pavilion, thank you, Lord. It's clear. I've got work to do. But I'm faced in the right direction. Isn't it great to know that when the prodigal son started home, the father ran to him? Once he got his face turned in the right direction, the father ran to him. You're going to find that what you're doing, you're, you're just saying tonight, I'm turning my face in the right direction. That is toward God. You're going to find God will run to you to enable you to be and do all that he wants you to be and do. Is there anybody else before we pray? God bless you. That's it. Come on, ladies. Quickly. Anyone else? I know what God is saying to my heart. That's it. God bless you. Anyone else? The Lord's spoken to my heart. I must respond tonight. I must say yes to him tonight. Others are coming. Anyone else? Young man, young lady, is it a call? Is it a condition in your life? Is it a matter of trusting Christ? Amen. Anyone else? God bless you. That's it, sir. Come on. Father in heaven, as we are bowed before you, we are here because our heart's desire is to respond in the affirmative to what you have spoken to us. Father, we are saying that we do not want to be hard-hearted. We are saying yes to you, a big yes in our heart to you. Father, we know that you see and you acknowledge and you give grace and you will perfect that which concerns us. 
You said in your word, I know the thoughts I think toward you, thoughts of good and not of evil, to prosper you, not harm you, to give you a hope and a future. And here at this altar, Heavenly Father, people with a future, with hope, because they have said yes, clearly yes, to that which you've spoken to their heart. Now, Father, give us wisdom. Give us sensitivity in these next few moments, I pray. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I'd just like to see by the uplifted hand, how many of you are coming tonight? You're saying, look, you know what the Lord's spoken to me is that I need to get saved tonight. Would you just raise your hand? That's why I'm coming, all right? God bless you, all right? Okay, I know what I need tonight. I need to trust Christ tonight. Anybody else? All right, anyone else? Just put it up, down. I need to trust Jesus tonight. How many of you are saying tonight, I need to join the church tonight. That's what I need to do. I'm coming. We're coming to join the church. All right. God bless you. Right back here. Anybody else? All right. The rest of us are saying there's an issue in my life. Now, here's what I want you to do. In a few moments, everybody here is going to go to your right, go right down that sidewalk there to a counseling area. You'll not be there long. And you may say, oh, man, I'm a counselor. I mean, <laughs> I know what goes away. I don't need to do this. Here's what I want you to do. I'd like you to say to that counselor, look, you don't have to say what it is unless you want to. That would help you if you decide to. You might say, look, the Lord's speaking to me. And I've said yes tonight. And I just want to go on record as, as saying that tonight. That counselor will give you some information, pray with you. It won't take but just a matter of minutes. We'll need all of our counselors, by the way, to come. If you're coming to join the church, if someone raised their hand and said, we want to join the church tonight. I just tell them, look, I'm here because what God spoke to my heart is I need to join the church. Some of you put up your hands and said, I'm coming because I need to trust Christ. Just tell the counselor, I'm not just coming to be better. I'm coming because I'm lost. I need to trust Christ. God's been speaking to my heart about it. That's what I need to do today. Now, it would be so easy for you to say, I know this deal, see, because I have, uh, I've seen crusades or I've worked in the counseling area or I'm a teacher or whatever. I'm a big person. I can handle this. Let me just say, there's something about sharing with another that tonight... I am responding in the affirmative. I'm saying yes to God. It's really going to help you. And so I'm going to ask while our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, you folks, everybody who's here, I'm going to ask you to turn to your right and just quietly make your way right down there in the counseling area. You'll be there just a few moments. The counselors will talk with you. They'll pray with you. I'm going to ask our other counselors to come and join with you. There's seats back there. There's an area for you to be counseled. You're saying, I know what God has spoken to my heart. Tonight my heart's desire has been to respond in the affirmative. If you need to join this group and you didn't, you just come on and join this group. They're here. They come as a family. There's some couples down here. You just may need to say to the counselor, we know what it is. God knows what it is. Just show us a little corner over here where we can go and kneel and pray because we want to do that. We want to settle it with God tonight. Tonight, I'm saying yes to God. All amen. Praise the Lord for that. Uh, look up this way, if you will, please, just for a moment. I'm going to ask our ushers to come. We ought to send them to the counseling room. Uh, I'm going to ask our ushers to come. I want to encourage you to give a great offering. It's Friday night. What a blessed night this has been.